Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? Of course I am. What else would I want to do? All right, let's give it a whirl! Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for coming and listening to the show. We're so happy you're there. Uh, yes. Uh, hello to everyone in this uh, great country of ours and this wonderful world. Thank you all so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, so uh, the way that the podcast normally works is that uh, I give mom and uh, the birth data of a random historical figure, uh, and she uh, puts it into the back computer, gives us the chart, and tells us what she can about it. Uh, but this time we're going to be doing an event, and uh, an event that happened uh, in B.C. Uh, even. Uh, we're going to be uh, going into ancient times, uh, and uh, we'll, uh, I'll give her the information, and then uh, she'll give us a reading of uh, what all the stars and moons were doing on that uh, particular date. Then I will uh, reveal to her uh, what happened uh, or what may have happened on that date and uh, uh, give a little background about that. And then uh, we'll see uh, how accurate that chart was at uh, predicting what would happen then. Uh, So without any further ado, let's begin. Okay. So uh, the date is the 21st Mm -hmm. of April. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in the year 753 B.C. Uh, so for the back computer, you will enter in negative 752-J-U-L. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you want to give this a time? Uh, we will say noon. Okay. All right. And where? Italy. Italy. I really want to go to Italy. All right, and what town? Rome. <gasps> Roma. Uh, anything in particular? Uh, Rome, just the first one. Okay, all right. <gasps> okay. Well, 
Let's see. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, all right. By giving this chart of this event a noon time of the event, we have the rising sign at seven degrees Leo. We have an interception. I'm looking if there's more than one, but it looks like it's right here in uh, Scorpio and Taurus. All right. So with that seven degrees Leo rising, we have sun at 23 degrees Aries, moon at 14 degrees Aquarius, Mercury at five degrees Aries, Venus at 29 degrees Pisces, Mars at 20 degrees Pisces, Jupiter at 10 degrees Aries, Saturn at 15 degrees Scorpio, Uranus at 3 degrees Aries, Neptune at 13 degrees Aries, Pluto at 14 degrees Leo, North Node at 6 degrees Gemini, and Chiron, there's no information on that because we've gone to a time where that information is not recorded. So, well... This is a lot in Pisces and Aries. Interesting. Wow. This is this is this is actually exactly how I would think that this um, chart would look like. So we're killing each other over spiritual things. Yeah. Everyone's got to die. <laughs> everybody, everybody, out of the pool. Okay. So I like it that you know enough about what we're looking at to know what this means. That makes me very proud, Chandler. I'm very happy. You're very smart. Mm. Okay. So um, clearly we have first house Leo. Uh, we have Pluto in Leo at 14 degrees in the first house. This is very powerful. This is about power. And it is not... You know, this is full on out in the open about power. All right. And leadership and ruling. All right. Because it's Leo and it's Pluto and Leo in the first house. So this is about ruling the people. All right. Because in the first house, we have Pluto. And in the seventh house, we have the moon in Aquarius, the people ruling the people. All right. Um, Second house cusp is also Leo. So that has to do with valuables and values and money and uh, gold because it's Leo. Uh, third house cusp is in Virgo. There's nothing in that house. Fourth house cusp is Libra. We do not have a Scorpio house because we have an interception, but we do have Saturn in Scorpio in the fourth house. So again, power because Pluto rules Scorpio, right? So now we have Saturn in Scorpio and it's also about, uh, 
this connection to this sixth house, which is Capricorn, because Saturn rules Capricorn and Aquarius. Um, Saturn and Scorpio in the fourth house. This is big changes, lessons with big changes in the community, in the home, in the country. Big, lots of changes, transitions, death and rebirth. Uh, so fourth house cusp is Libra, fifth house cusp is Sagittarius. There's nothing in there. Sixth house cusp is Capricorn. There's nothing in there. But even though there's nothing in these houses, the house cusp and the ruler of the house still applies. So let me go around and, and deal with all the planets first. So seventh house cusp is Aquarius and eighth house cusp is Aquarius, but seventh house cusp has moon in Aquarius at 14 degrees. So there's something about the emotions of humanity, the emotions of the people, possibly totalitarian emotions, because we have this Mars in Pisces and Venus in Pisces. Mars, we have eighth house cusp is also Aquarius. But in the eighth house is Mars in Pisces and Venus at 29 degrees in Pisces. But Venus is in the ninth house. All this stuff is in the ninth house, which is ruled by Pisces. So the ninth house cusp is Pisces. But we have all these planets in there in Aries. So we have Uranus conjunct by degree Mercury, conjunct by degree Jupiter, conjunct by degree Neptune, conjunct by degree Sun, all in Aries. Uranus at three, Mercury at five, Jupiter at 10, Neptune at 13, Sun at 23 in the ninth house in Aries. So this, I would say, I mean, the very basic situation with this is war over spiritual things or having to do with other countries and spiritual things because it's ninth house. So ninth house is ruled by Jupiter, which is Sagittarius, which is higher education, spiritual, spiritualism, dogma, religion foreign travel, philosophies, all of those things. So, and this has a, a, a big fat stellium in Aries on it. <laughs> Tenth house cusp is Aries. So all of this stuff is in this sort of spiritual, because it's Pisces, right? You see this because it's, it's Mars conjunct Venus and Pisces in the eighth house. Mars in the eighth house is power. All right. And war, but it's creative because it's Pisces. And it's also Jupiter because Jupiter used to rule Pisces and Sagittarius. Now Jupiter only rules Sagittarius. But if you, whenever you look at every chart, you have to consider the old ways, which is Jupiter ruling Pisces as well, which is big, which is more, just too much. Right. Because here we have Jupiter in Aries. And Mars 
in Pisces, which was ruled by Jupiter. So lots of war, lots of war. You see how that connects? Yeah. Okay. Tenth house cusp is Aries. There isn't anything in the tenth house, but the entire house of Taurus falls in this tenth house, which is more career driven, monetary, um, uh, stamina. But the midhaven for this is an Aries. See this? So there's a lot going on with this Aries power, this, this warrior, this moving fast and hot. And then you have North Node in Gemini in the 11th house. So there's something about communication with the people because 11th house is, you know, humanity. Moon in Aquarius connects to this, right? Because these trine each other, Gemini and Aquarius trine each other, and they are trining by degree. So we have Moon at 14 degrees Aquarius and North Node at six degrees Gemini. So this is quite the power struggle. And, oh, lots and lots of <laughs> passionate ideas, passionate beliefs, passion, like really, like people can die over this. Does, does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there, do you have any questions? If, uh, if this was the chart of a person, mm -hmm. what would the the personality be of this person? Uh, you know the Christmas movie where we have the winter and we have the summer, and I'm Mister Heat Hunger. Uh -huh. That one. That's his person. That's this person's personality. Mister Green Christmas. <laughs> Mister Green Christmas. Very the heat fire. Miser. Heat miser. Very fire. Very. Very powder keggy, very easy to anger, but could also be quite the general, quite the leader, if this person could possibly control their temper. And you know, there were people born with the shard, you know? Yeah. There were people born because, with the Because, I mean, aspect. these are planets that are, yeah, that take a long time. So, uh -huh. I mean, when you yeah. read about the ancient times and people, killing each other all the time well yeah some i mean of these plants this is are very slow moving and they were in aries for a long time uh-huh and this is all fire and air fire and air so much fire and air the only thing even remotely grounding this is this saturn in scorpio which is water there's no earth in this chart no i take that back we've got we've got these two planets in pisces which is water and then we have this planet. So we have three planets in in water, all right? We have two planets in air, and the rest are all fire. So that's not enough water to control this fire and air. You know what I mean? It's like, this is like, this is like if you were spraying fuel into the air, like like a sprinkler but but with more force with more water pressure more pressure and you lit it on fire and then the wind started to blow and then it started to sprinkle <laughs> like 
<laughs> that's just not enough. That's not enough water to stop it. You know what I mean? It's just going to make it messy. It's just going to make it more messy. No earth. No earth at all. I'm going to say I would not want to be the people who were born with this chart. Because you would have a really hard time controlling yourself. You know what I mean? And that Uranus in Aries, oh my goodness, that was there for a long time. Neptune in Aries for a long time. With Pluto in Leo trining all that? Oh, that was that was a fiery time. Uh, what is the legacy of this? Everybody dies. Every, everybody, everybody dies. This is like the cast of millions in a war scene of just, just with spears and clubs and weapons just bludgeoning each other. This is so much Aries. So much Aries. I mean, I'm just seeing like legions of people killing each other. But I mean, if they were, if they were possibly creative and spiritual, maybe they could utilize some of this Pisces and some of this Scorpio to say, hold on. Heat mongers. <laughs> let's 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 bring some spiritualness into this. Let's, you know, maybe they were communing with, you know, the gods, or maybe they were communing with God. I don't know. But there is a lot going on here with that those spiritual aspects. But all of this is also ninth house. I mean, this could all be about, you know, beliefs. And see, here's the thing about having any kind of Aries planets in the ninth house. There is no argument. You cannot convince an Aries it, that has placements in the ninth house that they are not correct. You know what I mean? So whatever happened at this particular time, which puts all of this, I mean, you know, we're looking at this from the perspective that this is the time of the event, which makes it Leo rising, you know? These planets could be anywhere. We don't know what time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But either way, even if these planets are not in this order and this stuff is not in the ninth house, then you're still dealing with a lot of oh, so much fire and fast movement. Like you, it's like it's reactionary, you know, like. It's just reactionary, like an Aries, and you want an Aries out front because they don't even have to think their natural reaction to something that's coming at them is to destroy it, you know? And it's not something they think about like a Capricorn. A Capricorn's gonna come up with a plan, it's gonna take a minute. No, Aries is done. It's like it's like instant. It's like um it's like a gun, but they didn't have guns, you know? I mean, there's, it's just immediate. 
You stepped on my property, you die. You drank my water, you die. <laughs> oh, it's really intense. It's very, very, very intense. Is any of that making sense? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you have any other final first impressions? You know how, like, in some Star Trek episodes, everyone is controlled by some kind of alien? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is about everyone being in this frame of mind. All right. All of these planets and Aries would have made everyone on Earth on edge. Period. So it wouldn't have taken much to light that powder cake. You know what I mean? In general, in the whole of humanity, maybe even animals and birds. I don't know. But everything is dealing with this. And it was probably hot. It was probably hot. Even though. Yeah, it was it was probably hot. It was in April. So I don't know where it is, but it's probably unseasonably warm. Well, Rome has a, a similar uh, climate to Texas. Yeah, it's probably unseasonably warm. And that makes everyone angrier, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's different when you're cold. When you're cold, you kind of want to huddle together. But when you're hot, it's like, ah! Nobody. So there's a lot going on here with reactionary behavior. Fire signs can do things without thinking that they might regret later because they moved too fast, you know, and all this air is just feeding it, you know. Mm hmm. Well, I think we're ready for a summary of our findings. Uh, the first thing you said is that um, the, the, this chart is very powerful, and it's mm -hmm. about power and leadership and ruling and ruling the people. Mm -hmm. uh, there are big changes in the community and the country. Mm -hmm. uh, emotions uh, regarding humanity, passions around humanity and totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a, uh, a war over spiritual things, mm -hmm. a creative power in war, moving mm -hmm. first and hot, fast mm -hmm. and hot. Mm -hmm. uh, communication with people. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a power struggle. Uh, passionate beliefs and ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the embodiment of the heat miser. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, could be a, a good general when uh, able to control their temper. Mm -hmm. uh, this is like a flamethrower on a drizzly day. Mm -hmm. uh, no earth. Uh, mm -hmm. Uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. The legacy of this is war and death. Uh -huh. There is a spiritual element that could mm -hmm. temper the violence. Mm -hmm. Stubborn, fire, uh, fast movement, reactionary, reflex, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, very intense. Mm -hmm. Everyone in the whole world is on edge. This is a violent age. Mm -hmm. uh, and this just would be a, a warm which and, and a hot day, which would add to all of this. Mm-hmm. So, the chart that we are looking at is the chart given in the myth of the founding of Rome. Ooh. 
Rome was supposedly founded on April 21st, 753 BC. This is the day that Romulus killed his twin brother Remus. <gasps> during a dispute over which hill they would found their city on. And wow. after killing the brother, he decides that it would be the Palatine Hill and the town of Rome is created. Wow. So this is all legend and myth. Mm -hmm. um, but it is interesting that in this myth, there is a precise date, mm -hmm. uh, which makes me think that years and years later, when they were when the Romans were coming up with the story of themselves. <laughs> they chose this date. It's possible. And I think that the Romans being in touch with uh, uh, astrological elements mm -hmm. may have used astrology to help them choose this date it's as the possible. date of their founding. Mm -hmm. um, because... Everything that we've talked about is uh, the ideals of the Roman uh, uh, ethic, mm -hmm. um, war, conquering, mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, being able yes. to think quickly in battle and uh -huh. conquering all and, and expanding a, yes. an empire that went from Great Britain to India um, that all through uh, war and power and passion. Um, mm -hmm. That that is who they were as a people, mm -hmm. and so when looking at the stars to try and figure out when they would found themselves, where mm -hmm. what date works best, I think that they consulted um, astrology in some manner in choosing mm -hmm. this specific date because it's so highly specific. It, mm -hmm. th there's nothing in the Bible. Uh, that tells us a specific day that something happened. Mm -hmm. There's nothing much in Greek mythology or in many different things that give us an exact date. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and they were, ch I mean, no one in 753 BC writes a journal entry saying, killed my twin brother, founded Rome today. <laughs> right. That's not good. So no. they are, they're, they're constructing this. There's oral mm -hmm. tradition. And what's really interesting, I I'll get more into this myth in, in a minute. There's an oral tradition that's passed down over 700 years before it's finally written down into something that we still have today. Wow. Um, and and in that, by the time that it's written down in 29 BC, nearly 700 years mm -hmm. later, um, it comes to us as the 21st of April, 753. Mm -hmm. um, so that that there had to be some thinking, some um, uh, uh, knowledge uh, consulted before choosing that date. At least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So. The, the myth of this, um, all of the myths of Rome start with um, the Trojan War. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the Trojan War, uh, uh, Troy has fallen, uh, and one of their finest um, warriors was named Aeneas. And Aeneas goes on his own journey, um, much like um, uh, Odysseus does. And Aeneas goes to Italy, 
and he finds uh, the kingdom of uh, Latinum, and he uh, marries uh, the daughter of the king uh, and founds a new legacy. The Trojan legacy lives on in Italy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Aeneas has a son named Ascanius, and Ascanius uh, moves to a different town. He founds another town called Albalonga. And there he has a child named Aeneas Silvius, and he has a son named Latinus Silvius, and the Silvius line continues on for a few generations. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a man named Proco Silvius, and he has uh, two sons. Uh, the first son is Numitor, and the second son is Amulus. Well, Numitor is the eldest, so he is going to rule. He's going to inherit once his father passes away. Mm-hmm. Um, but Amulus doesn't like this. He oh. believes that he should be able to rule. Okay. So Amulus goes through some um, uh, uh, pa- palace intrigue, and he uh, uh, uses uh, his influence to push Numitor out, and he kills all of Numitor's heirs. Uh, all of the male heirs, so that there's no one else except him who can come into power. He keeps Numitor alive, but banishes him to uh, an estate outside of Albalonga, and he assumes power. Mm-hmm. Um, Numitor had a daughter, and he does not kill the daughter. Amulus does not kill Numitor's daughter. Instead, uh, he makes her a vestal virgin. Uh, mm-hmm. the, these were uh, women who were charged. Mm-hmm. They had to be chased uh, for the rest of their lives and uh, w- uh, worship the goddess um, Vesta, who is the uh, goddess of the hearth and home. Mm-hmm. And um, the, they could not have any children. And that way, that line is killed, according mm-hmm. to Amulus. Mm-hmm. Well, the gods, uh, they, they didn't uh, uh, look too kindly upon all this. And Mars uh, decided to visit um, the daughter, uh, Rhea, Rhea Silvia. And, uh, well, you know, when, when a god loves a <laughs> Vestal Virgin very much, um, the, they, they did their business. And uh, Rhea is now pregnant. And Rhea gives birth to twins. And Amulus finds out about this. Uh, and so uh, the twins have to be... Uh, uh, Get, they have to be get, gotten rid of, uh, mm-hmm. otherwise he's going to kill them. Mm-hmm. And so they find a basket of reeds, mm-hmm. and they put the two twins into the basket, and they send them down the Tiber River. Mm-hmm. And uh, those twins end up being Romulus and Remus. Mm-hmm. Those twins uh, go down the Tiber River, uh, down to where the Tiber River meets the Palatine Hill, and they come ashore, and there's no human being around. There is only a Mm -hmm. she-wolf. The she-wolf is named Lupa. And uh, she has just given birth to cubs. And she sees that these two children are exposed and offers herself. And uh, they suckle at her teats. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is very important into the Roman image. You will see statues. It's on coins. It's Mm -hmm. everywhere of the two twins suckling at the she-wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there is a shepherd who is uh, going around uh, and sees this site uh, and decides, well, babies don't belong with wolves. Babies belong with people. Uh, and so he decides to adopt the two twins. And his name is Faustulus. And he is a, a shepherd and his wife, uh, Laurentia. Uh, and they raise the boys as their own. 
And Romulus and Remus, uh, what's an interesting part of this myth is there's almost a Robin Hood aspect to it because uh, they uh, grow up and they become very good hunters and very good fighters. And uh, their favorite pastime is to find thieves and robbers and steal from them Mm -hmm. and give their and distribute their goods out to the other shepherds. Uh, so, uh, they have uh, a long record in their teen, going into their teens of finding these other thieves and robbers and, 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 uh, taking from them and, uh, redistributing the wealth. And so they have a, a band of men that uh, are very loyal to them. Uh, but the thieves aren't very happy about all this. <laughs> so, uh, the thieves gather together and they ambush Romulus and Remus. And Romulus is able to fight them off, but mm-hmm. Remus is taken captive. Uh-oh. And he is taken back to Alba Longa, and he is taken to uh, uh, Amulus, who is the king, uh, the one who started all this. And the thieves say that they falsely accuse Remus of being a thief, and they say that Remus is stealing from your brother Numitor, who's still alive. And Amulus goes, well, then it's Numitor's problem. Send him to Numitor. Mm-hmm. Numitor is his grandfather, is Remus's grandfather, though they, of course, don't know this. Mm-hmm. When Faustulus, the, the shepherd who raised Romulus and Remus, finds out that Remus is gone, he has kind of put it together. No one's ever told him, but there, there's no confirmation of this, but he's kind of figured out that Romulus and Remus are Numitor's grandchildren mm-hmm. and that Amulus is probably going to kill Remus when he figures all this out. Uh, and so he spills everything to Romulus. And so Romulus decides he's going to gather his band of men. He's going to gather the posse together. They're going to go to Albalonga and they're going to go take care of their great uncle uh, uh, Amulus. Meanwhile, Remus is back with Numitor uh, being held prisoner, and through the Inquisition, um, uh, Numitor puts things together, and he figures out that Remus is his grandchild. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Numitor releases him, and Remus gathers up his own posse of men. And so Romulus and his posse, and Remus and his posse, they go to Albalonga. There is a battle that ensues, and uh, uh, Romulus kills Amulus, and uh, puts Numitor back on the throne as the rightful king of Albalonga. And makes them the heirs, Romulus and Remus, the heirs to Albalonga. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to wait for Numitor to die to have their okay. own city. Okay. They decide they want to found their own city. Uh, so they go off and they go down the Tiber River and they go back to the place where they were found. And uh, as I said before, there was uh, the, the Palatine Hill where it meets the Tiber River. That is where Romulus wanted to found this new city. Remus wanted to found it on the Aventine Hill. It was uh, not as steep. It would be easier to build things on. Um, and uh, they uh, can't agree on this, on what mm-hmm. hill they're going to build their city on. They go back to Numitor and all belong, and they say... Um, what should we do? And Numitor says, consult the gods. Uh, uh, they, the Romans were believers in augury, so birds are going to be able to tell you what you should do. So they go back down uh, by April 21st. They go and uh, they wait to see what sign the gods are going to give them. 
And uh, early in the morning, uh, Remus is on the Aventine and he sees six vultures fly above him. Mm -hmm. And he says, this is the sign. This is the sign. Later on in the day, Romulus sees 12 vultures over the Palatine. And he says, this is the sign. They meet back up in the valley and they can't agree on what the sign was because Remus saw his first, but Romulus saw more. And passions were inflamed and the argument turned physical and they have a tussle. And then during the tussle, Romulus kills Remus. Mm -hmm. And that, well, that, that put the whole, uh, it made it a lot easier to decide what hill you're going to found it on. Uh, and uh, so they went back to the Palatine, and Romulus founds the city of Rome, April 21st, 753 B.C. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, I mean, there's, there's more to the Romulus story, for sure. Um, uh, the, 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 the legend goes on. He establishes a government. He makes himself the king uh, of Rome, and uh, he establishes a form of government similar to what other Latin tribes are doing in that area at that time. Uh, So he has uh, 12 lictors and 100 senators. Um, They have a whole lot of guys there, but they don't have any women. Uh, So they decide to hold a big block party and invite all the Latin tribes to come and say, bring your wives, bring your, uh, bring your sisters. And uh, then Romulus gives the, the sign and they take all the women. Okay. And all the men who are of these Latin tribes are, you know, rightly upset uh, that their wives are are now stolen. Uh, But then the uh, Sabine women come out of Rome and they say, it's okay, we like these guys better. Uh Uh, And so they stay with them. Okay. Uh, I like this story. (laughs) (laughs) They wrote this really well. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, you you then continue on. The, the there are seven kings of Rome. Uh, then Rome uh, figures it it doesn't like being a monarchy um, and uh, decides to become a republic and is a republic for hundreds of years until it becomes the Roman Empire. Uh, all of this legacy uh, they tie to this date, to April twenty first, seven fifty three B C. Um, it is finally, the, the version that we have written down, the earliest that we have, comes from Livy and his history of Rome, which was written 700 years after when this was supposed to take place. What's also interesting, though, is that archaeology has kind of uh, uh, settled on the idea that this is the right time period. Um, archaeology of Rome has found that the earliest structures are on the Palatine Hill around 750. Mm. And they show that there were two communities. There was a community on uh, the Palatine and a community on the Aventine, and that they, the Metroplex came together. And so historians think that while it may have not have been twin brothers, maybe it was entire tribes and that mm. there was a, a war between the people on the Palatine and the Aventine and the people on the Palatine won, and then all of that became Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, this whole legend also, uh, the, there are many fascinating things in it of, um, uh, you, you think of the, the, what the Roman ideal hero is and how Romulus fits that model. Mm-hmm. In the story, everything is based upon Romulus, and Romulus is always the most heroic one. 
when the robbers come, Romulus is strong and he's able to beat them all off. But Remus was weaker and he was taken away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romulus uh, uh, is the one who kills the traitorous uh, uh, King Amulus, mm-hmm. not Rima. Romulus is the one who brings justice to Albalonga. And then, of course, Romulus is the one who kills his brother and founds the city. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there are so many um, ties to other cultures' mythology. Uh, you think of the babies that are in the reed basket going down the river. Oh, yeah. Um, Moses. Yep. Uh, there's also um, the the Persians also had a, a, another story, um, the the saga of Akkad, where mm-hmm. one of the uh, children is put into a reed basket. Um, the uh, brothers who who fight against each other, Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, the there's lots of ancient Greek. Um, uh, 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 connections uh the virgin birth which is something that comes again in christianity but mm-hmm. um also dionysus uh, is born from a, a virgin birth mm-hmm. um and th- there's also castor and pollux who are also uh, greek uh, mythological twins mm-hmm. um it's also uh, interesting that it is two that it is the twins and when you look at when uh, uh, that that for so f- much of Rome's history, hundreds of years, it was under the Republic, and the Republic had a system of two consuls who were supposed to be working together. In fact, they were consul from the from day to day. Uh, on Monday it would be one. On Tuesday it was the other. On Wednesday it'd go back to the guy who was on Monday. So these two were supposed to be working together, but in their founding myth they have that two people cannot work together, mm-hmm. that one has to overpower the other one. And what Rome eventually does is get rid of the consuls and makes an emperor where one is on top telling everyone what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also brings up the whole idea of which came first, Rome or Romulus? Mm-hmm. Did they come up with all of this story to justify why their town was named Rome, or was there really a guy named Romulus that the town was named after? Mm-hmm. And etymologists are still debating to this day of how Rome got its name. Um, uh, uh, there are several different ideas of it could be like this word in Greek, which means uh, bravery. Uh, it could be like this uh, word in the Etruscan language, uh, which is what they used to call the Tiber River. Um, but uh, uh, the whole founding uh, uh, is very uh, interesting. And maybe this whole story and this whole person was made up uh, just to justify because they didn't even know anymore why their town was called Rome. Mm. Um so I think that uh, while they were coming up with all this, they consulted a chart much like this and figured what, um, what are the ideals of our society, of Roman society. And those ideals are war and power and uh, conquering others and violence and, that, and that's honor. 
that, mm-hmm. that that's how you are honorable is through mm-hmm. this war and violence and conquering others. Yet at the same time, there is a spiritual element that can mm-hmm. temper that. And a lot of our greatest uh, philosophers in Western civilization come out of this same society. Mm-hmm. And Stoicism comes out of Rome, which is mm-hmm. the idea of tempering down all of these passions mm-hmm. so that you can uh, have an objective view and go forward with a clear head. Um, mm-hmm. I think this chart shows all of that. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because the north node in this chart is in Gemini, which is the twins, mm-hmm. which is the direction, right? Mm-hmm. And also communication. And then you look at the stoicism you're saying, right? The moon in 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 Aquarius, even though it's an even though it is an air sign and it's feeding all that fire. The moon is being logical with your emotions for the people, all right? Moon in Aquarius is like a love for the people, okay? And uh, and a logical way of looking at your emotions. It's different than moon in Capricorn. Moon in Aquarius is more driven to the people, and moon in Capricorn is more logical um, addressing your emotions in a more logical way. Both of them are logical, but one of them has to do more with the betterment of the of humanity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, if they made this up, that's one thing, which is p- completely possible that they consulted when this might have happened, you know? But also, if they didn't, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> Right. You know, because it's about death and rebirth of the leader. See, Pluto yeah. in Leo in the first house. I mean, and this is just us saying it's at noon, you know, but either way, Pluto in Leo, whether it's in the first house or not, is death and rebirth of the leader, right? Mm-hmm. To begin the leadership. So, yeah, this is kind of cool, Chandler. Well, uh, I think on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space, this is uh, right on the money. Um, Whether, uh, you know, of course you could play around with the times and things, but I I do think that it makes a lot of sense for that packed Aries house to be the ninth house for Mm -hmm. that's the house of, you know, legacy. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is all no, about. No, eighth house. Eighth house is actually oh. the house of legacy. This is the house of um of of uh, this is ninth house is philosophy and well still. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean philosophy. Uh-huh. I mean philosophy this is the, the, the and philosophy. dogma. I mean their dogma is war and yeah. conquering. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I I, I think that um. Whether it was calculated to be so or it mm-hmm. did really happen, something happened uh, <laughs> on this day. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a lot of sense in the 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 founding of of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. That's very true. 
Uh, well, uh, that brings us uh, to the end of this episode. Uh, we'd like to thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always, we have uh, links in our show description uh, to our social media pages. Um, we have uh, links to our YouTube page. There are videos from our first season that are posted up there uh, so that you can actually follow along. Uh, wherever you are, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, on your podcasting uh, service, uh, if you could subscribe to the show, uh, like the show, leave a comment or a review if you can. Uh, this is a show all about stars, uh, so those five-star ratings would very much help us out. And tell your friends. Uh, if, if you're uh, enjoying the show, let them know, hey, there's this cookie show where uh, <laughs> mom and son look at uh, dates and history. Um also, if you'd like to have your own chart uh, read, uh, we can make that happen. Go to Chandler's Mom at historyandretrograde.com, and uh, Mom can get with you about all the details on how to make that happen. I would love to do that. And anytime you want to find any of these things, you can just go to the website, www.historyandretrograde.com, and you can get anywhere you need to go. You can email me from there. And I very much look forward to meeting you all. If you have any concepts or ideas or suggestions, you can email us from there. You can email us from any of the places where uh, you listen to the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And I really enjoy just getting to know you guys and i'm having a really great time with that so please contact us let us know what you think about the show uh yeah we'd uh, love to hear from you we also have a uh, gmail uh, history and retrograde at gmail.com uh if you have uh, suggestions uh for other historical figures or dates that you'd like us to look at we'd be uh, happy to uh talk to you there absolutely uh, and chandler's actually chosen some of those i have yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, thank you all so much for listening as always in conclusion as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned everything will be just fine everything is going to be just fine thank you so much for listening we love you bye bye thank you so much bye bye Creek Studios.